everybody, and welcome to the podcast where we talk to people that are in the food space, gardening space, have written books. You're listening to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish, and I'm Stephanie Hansen. And today I have two guests. I have Michelle Brun, and I also have Stephanie Thoreau, and they have collaborated on a book that I'm pretty obsessed with called Small Scale Homesteading. Now, Stephanie also is like my girl crush because she had a book called Can It and Ferment It. And if you know me, you know that I'm a jorder, a jar hoarder, and a fermenter, and a canner. And I'm I'm not great at it, but I'm obsessed with it and can't wait to do more. So hello, you guys. Welcome. Hi. Thanks, thanks for having, having us. us. Yeah, thank okay. you. So Stephanie's going to give us her uh, view of the ceiling, I think, and her ceiling oh. fan. <laughs> is this recorded? Like people it is. are watching. It's all recorded. Oh, I would not actually face. <laughs> no, I don't actually use the audio or I don't use the video for this podcast, but I like to see people just because then well, I figured if I put my phone down, so like I have nowhere to do this well. Maybe I'll sit on the floor. So I was just trying to be hands-free so it wasn't gonna sound, you know. Yeah. You do <laughs> you. Let's now, do this. how did you guys meet? Hmm. Online, social media, baby, everything happens like starts there. Isn't that funny? It's where all the fun people can find each other. Yeah, just, kind of. You have your little niche. And at least it worked for Stephanie and I, right? We both followed each other on Instagram. And then what happened then, Steph? I don't even, we've known each other um, for years. Yeah, we just became friends that week. So we kind of did similar things at our homes. And then um, Michelle runs a winter's farmer's market in White Bear Lake and she asked me to come out and teach a fermentation class right. so that was the first time we met in person and I think that was like four years ago maybe yeah and right. Stephanie yeah. when did your original book can it and ferment it come out eight years ago now maybe seven eight years ago yeah and seven- then we did the uh, a second edition came out in 2020 there's 75 satisfying small batch canning and fermentation rep- recipes for the whole year. It's just an awesome book, you guys, if you're at all interested in canning or you're a gardener. And I think that's how a lot of people get into canning because you garden and then you have all of this fruit and this produce and your stuff that you're making and you can't bear to part with it, you know, so you have to like find some way to utilize it. I became obsessed with Michelle in particular, and then subsequently you, Stephanie, because I found out about you through Michelle, also on social media. So Michelle is someone that has a sustainable garden. She has chickens. uh, She does maple sugaring. She is just kind of your uh, original Minnesota farm gal. How does that sound? (laughs) That sounds really good. I'll point out that Stephanie and I both do a lot of the same things. Like we both garden, we all have chickens and all that stuff. I'm just maybe more obsessed with the gardening part. And Stephanie's more obsessed with the like fermenting and canning and preserving it. Yeah. I for sure started preserving food because like you said, like I had all of this stuff, like what am I going to do with it? So I figured out, okay, I can freeze beans or I can can dilly beans or I can ferment dilly beans, you know? So like, what are you going to do? And yeah, to make the most out of it. Cause you work your butt off. You want to get, you know, get the most out of it. <laughs> Stephanie, where's your garden? Um, I'm in Richfield and we grow in our backyard and our front yard. Okay. So is the whole thing like basically an edible garden? 
Um, most of what I grow is edible. I do a lot of flowers too, but in the front yard, we added six or seven garden beds last year and I'm going to add more this year. And then, um, I like to have one bed dedicated to herbs and I let the neighbors know that they can come harvest. They don't need to ask. So that's kind of fun. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Michelle, where is your garden? So we're in White Bear Lake and I started out just in the backyard. And then a couple years ago, I did a huge like re-landscape of the front yard where I've got mostly like my berry bushes in and then a, like a pollinator space. But this year I'm adding a couple um, garden beds in between my neighbor and my space in the front. So we're going to co-garden. I'm very excited about this. You know, cute little raised beds. Um, with a big trellis in between and she's excited she's pregnant so like I think a lot of this also you care more about what food you eat all of a sudden when you have kids that you're feeding sure (laughs) and so yeah I think that that's a big that's a big push for a lot of people too so how did it work to collaborate on the book small scale homesteading like um well so I was talking to my editor about my this next book idea. And it was to write about all the things that I do from my home in Richfield, like, like the maple tapping and the chicken keeping and gardening and preserving and all that. And um, I just, I got the go ahead, but I didn't do anything with it. I knew it was something I wanted to do with someone else, but I didn't know who. And then I was on the phone with Michelle one day and we were talking about a different collaboration. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Hey, Michelle, you want to write this book with me? (laughs) And, uh, so, yeah, it was kind of history after that. She was like, sure, we we didn't really know what you're getting into. Um, it's definitely a challenge doing something of that sort with someone else. But I think we did a super good job working together. And, and because we d- didn't have like a long history of a super close friendship or something, I don't know. It's been like really nice respect <laughs> with one another and boundaries and and now we're doing all this fun stuff together. We've been, uh, we're at the home shows and um, we were on the news the other day and we have a lot of stuff coming up and we're putting classes together and everything. So, so yeah, thankfully it worked out really well. Do you feel <laughs> yeah. like, like, how do you compliment each other? And maybe you already said it, Michelle, like that Stephanie is really good kind of in the fermenting and canning space and you're more on the garden side. Did you like divvy up chapters or how did you um... delineate the work? Well, we kind of knew Stephanie was going to focus for sure on the preserving. And then I was going to start with the gardening. Um, And then I think it's really fun because a lot of the chapters have both of our perspectives on it. So like we raise chickens, but we raise them pretty differently, really. And then the same with maple tapping because we tap, we both have one big old maple tree and it's a silver maple. It's not even a sugar maple. You can tap your one silver maple tree people and get enough syrup for the year. That's like our PSA, right? Like just do it. It's fun. Okay. So we both do it, but she like does it um, in buckets and she does it on a turkey fryer. And we are like, we love burning wood. And so we, we just do a lot of things really differently. And that's one really fun part about the book is that you get both of our perspectives. We're just two like Minnesota gals hanging out around the cities, but we're doing what we can do. I don't know. It's fun. (laughs) It it is fun. And you know, we complain about the seasons sometimes, or I do anyway, because my gardening season up in Ely, Minnesota is like so short, yeah. but I'm so I, impressed with what you can do up there. Oh my god! Oh, thanks. Thanks. I'm really learning to like embrace the, I guess the four seasons and the like quiet season too. Like the season of we need time for our 
seeds to be in the ground and get cold and get all snuggly and nourished so that they can come back up in the spring. Like, you know, we just, I feel like I'm, I feel like all our plants are so overworked and dry and we're just hearing about drought all the time. So I'm starting to really like appreciate the snow cover and the the green things and the dormancy because it just allows us to catch our breath too as gardeners and as people that produce food. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. When you put your garden bed away, you're like super sad, but you're also (laughs) like, by then usually I have carpal tunnel from, you know, canning (laughs) and pickling and cutting things. And I'm like exhausted. Like literally last year, a friend of mine came up for the final like round of harvesting. And she was like, I don't think you've sat down in five days. (laughs) I don't think I did. I went right from standing to the bed. And then get up again the next day. You're right. It's always bad to put it to bed. But then, yeah, you go go inside and you're like, oh, well, there's all this stuff to do now. So it gives you an opportunity to to focus on that, too. And like in the book, we have candle making and lotion making and all these other things you can do when the the growing season's over. (laughs) Are there like, how did you guys start out in your journey? Like, Michelle, how did you get your love of seeds and gardening? Uh, well, I grew up with some land and my dad was a DNR guy. My mom was a perennial flower gardener, right? So like gardening and plants have always been in my world. Um, and, you know, as like a teenager, you're like too cool for that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I kind of came back to it. Um, and then I went to college, moved to Sweden, um, lived in Sweden for a good couple of years. And there, I think I was just like mind blown about how differently they do food. Like, that was so beautiful and so eye-opening. And I wanted to be able to always have that with me. So the relationship didn't last, but my love of like food for sure did, right? Like I was able to bring all that knowledge home and kind of replicate it and kind of not, you know, Um, but there's some parts of it that are just so fun to be able to do that. So I think between that and then having kids, um, again, I wanted to be able to give that to them because I mean, my parents didn't force it on me, but it was just always around. So I figured if I just am out there doing it, maybe, you know, yeah. I'll love it too. I think in Sweden too, I, I guess I would describe it and maybe you can help me find the words, but almost like farm to table life. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think, you know, and, and there's just like lots of smaller grocery stores. It's like when you're up North, right? When there's a Zups and that's it. Right? Yep. And that that's your choice. And you have three kinds of cheese and two kinds of bread, and both of them are rye. <laughs> it's like like that's and so you just you don't you're not worried about that part, but you're worried about so what can you grow to supplement your own? And and I think that that's where you can have fun because you get to be creative with what you love. And that's a big part of what Stephanie and I talk about in the book is like grow what you love. Yeah. Not like what you see somewhere else, you know, and what looks good. And grow what you know your family will eat. Yeah. And that's part of it too. Like I always want to grow Kuka melons, but then I never do because I'm like, well, I mean, they're tasty and everything, but what do you really do with them? It's like, I don't have that much space to just have one little cute ornamental plant. Yeah. Um, Got to make those choices. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Stephanie, do you, did you grow up in this or how did you get started? Um, so I grew up in South Minneapolis and I, my grandparents raised me and my grandma was always growing flowers. She wasn't growing food. Um, and I, I didn't understand it. I was like, why would you do all this work and then let it all die and then do it again? I didn't get it at all. And I didn't cook or anything until I was an adult. So 
about 20 years ago, I was sitting around and I'm like, I need a hobby. I, I need something else to do. And I was like, oh, I need to learn how to make pickles because I love a good Bloody Mary. So I found somebody to teach me. And this is a true story. I was like 21. And uh, I, my husband's aunt, who's my boyfriend at the time, uh, she taught me. So we made pickles. She was in Eau Claire. We went there, spent the whole weekend canning pickles and beets and jams. And I was like, I'm hooked. And so then I just did more and more and more. And then... Uh, that kind of led to like, okay, I need to grow some things here. <laughs> and yeah, just we expanded on our gardens year after year. And then uh, my daughter was born and she liked helping grow things. And so, yeah, it just went from there, it just sparked off. And I got really into the gardening um, in 2020 because there was nothing else to do. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we had a tree, a sick ash tree that we took down and it opened up this huge sunny space behind my garage. And then I just like hyper-focused on that. And yeah, now I just love, I love it. I love it. Love it. Can't wait. I have to say of all the things that you guys do, I really think like, and this is going to be maybe a controversial statement, but I think fermenting is the hardest. And it's really? also the easiest, like, cause you don't like have to do lots of things, but then there's all these elements that come into play that like fermenting pickles, I just feel like it's so hard. Well, so like hard to be successful with it. Yeah. Before like it, not okay. hard to do it, but hard mm -hmm. to have success. And like, I do sauerkraut and, you know, I eat it regardless. Cause I just will pull off the top inch if it looks nasty and moldy and just kind of get to the bottom but like some years it's like amazing and then other years it's like a mushy slop and again I still eat it because I can't bear to throw it away but I why is like fermenting so hard I don't get okay. it I don't think it is but the key to a successful ferment is keeping everything submerged underneath the brine and so if anything's poking up it's gonna get moldy and so um you know, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I ferment in crocks and jars and all this, but I think the easiest lid for small batch fermentation are those silicone lids with the little airlock nipple on it. The it, pickle nipples. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that keeps the air out. It can, you know, the gas can release on its own, but it's making sure that things are all submerged underneath the brine. That's the key. So you just have to check on it every couple of days. But as far as like some stuff's mushy, some stuff's not, it, it has to do a lot with the temperature that your, your space is that you're fermenting. So I prefer to ferment in the winter. I think things taste better. They're fermenting slower. Um, but, you know, we have all this produce in the summer. So find a cooler spot. Like my kitchen is super hot in the kitchen or in the summertime. So I, I sometimes move it into a cooler room. So it slows right. down or do it in the basement. That will help with the texture. Oh, but yeah, keeping everything submerged is the key. Okay. Cause I usually do this at my cabin and I don't have air conditioning or anything. So it gets hot. Yeah. And I could bring things home and just put them in my, you know, air conditioned house. That's more constant. That's Can you I ferment in the refrigerator, even though it would take a lot longer? Yeah. So, I mean, when things go into the fridge, they're not, the process doesn't stop. It just slows way, way, way down. And so um, sometimes I put things in and out, but I think the, the, if you have the opportunity to just let the process happen, do that. But yeah, that's why taste 
continue to change after you fermented something and then you try it, you know, like a month later and you're like, well, this is different. Well, that's because the process is still going on. Yeah. Michelle, you did a reel, I think, that I watched that kind of blew my mind about a seed library. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Oh, seed libraries are so close to my heart. Um, So seed libraries are popping up all over. I think we have over a dozen now in Minnesota, um, more concentrated around the Twin Cities. And the idea is you get to check out, air quotes, um, seeds from the library. And a lot of times they are in your public library. Um, so you go there, you maybe write down your name and your email so that they can then send you information. But basically you just write down what you want to take. You take those seeds and hopefully they're all, they're all seeds that the seeds you're going to find in a seed library are going to be easy to save too. So hopefully what you can do is grow those seeds successfully and then bring back some more seeds in the fall so that it continues to keep growing. So it's just a really beautiful community aspect to gardening. And I think, um, you know, after a couple years of growing a seed locally, you end up getting a more like biodiverse, perfect for your garden space, perfect for your climate and your zone um, plant out of it, which is so cool. Um, and I will attest to the fact that I started with like blue Lake seven pole beans, which is just like this, everybody grows in pole beans, probably 11, 12 years ago now. And I've been growing and saving, growing and saving. And like the same with some glass gem corn and they're, they're so happy. (laughs) They're just so happy. And it's a really fun thing to be able to, to, Go to a seed library, look at what's around. And this isn't just vegetable seeds. Most seed libraries have a lot of great native pollinator plants too, which is fun to be able to mix it up because companion planting is a beautiful part of gardening because when you bring the flowers in, it just adds so much for the pollinators to the soil, to the health of the plants that you're growing and everything. If you don't have a lot of room to grow flowers in your vegetable gardens, what do you think is like the best bang for your buck for small spaces? Cause you want to have a flower in there to attract the bees and the pollinators. Mm-hmm. That's such a hard question. I would probably go with like calendula. Yeah. Um, it is a beautiful plant. It's an absolute magnet um, for a lot of um, good bugs and bats. So it's a trap crop. Yep. So it, it attracts the guys in there. Um, it keeps them from eating your prized plants because they'd rather eat that. Um, so okay. calendula or boy, I don't know. I think Stephanie's or I don't want to take Stephanie's favorite flower. Yeah, I, I, I hope nasturtiums everywhere. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to yeah, say that because that's Stephanie's. <laughs> yeah, I hope nasturtiums in between everything. Just my... for that same purpose. Yeah, well, and they're beautiful. They're prolific bloomers. And yeah, they, they're also a trap crop. And um, do you yeah, use the trailing ones or just the. I, I actually get as many different varieties as I can and I just poke them right in and they grow and yeah, any of them. Okay. I think Trailing. I'm going to do that because mm-hmm. I love them too. And I grow them in all of my um, flower pots, mm-hmm. you know, just cause they're kind of cheap and it gives mm-hmm. you a good filler and, you know, kind of lasts all season. I never mm-hmm. thought about putting those in the garden. So that's a great idea. Yeah. Do you, either of you or both of you have bees? Not yet. 
No, I really want to, but my, one of my boys is like deathly allergic. So that will be a project once they're gone. (laughs) Yeah. He'll be like, mom, you're trying to kill me. (laughs) Now for me, this gardening obsession and canning and fermenting ends up going into the food space. Are both of you like good cooks or do you like cooking or does it just kind of end up the food production piece for you? Go ahead, Steph. Oh, both of us pretty much cook everything from scratch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that. So are you sourdough breaders too? Oh, my yeah. husband does that. <laughs> He's in charge of the bread. <laughs> Thank God. Cause my husband's in charge of the bread too. And as hard as I try, I just, I, it's not my skill set. I can't quite get there. Yeah, we, we can't be great at everything. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's such a Stephanie thing to say, too. I love that. I'm going to steal That's it from you. Big part of our book is to like not feel like you have to do everything, right? It's like read through these things, see what like skills excite you, what skills you want to learn, and maybe something that your neighbor doesn't already do or like another family member doesn't already do, because then you can let them do something you don't like. <laughs> And then you do something they don't like and everybody's happy. Yeah. And I think like a real, if you're like listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, I want to, but I don't know. I think a real great entry point is just herbs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're like fairly easy. They don't take up a lot of space. You yeah. can, you know, when you have this giant rosemary bush that you're walking by it just makes you want to cook with it or to make cocktails with it or to want to dry it. Like there's just a million, you know, you talk about soaps and oils and all the things for me, that was my entry point was the herbs and then the flowers. And then before long, I started with the vegetables. Yeah. Well, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, herbs are very forgiving for like the soil type and the sun amount and and all that. And they, a lot of them can dry out pretty good and then come back just fine. Um, so they're easy to grow in pots, like smaller spaces. But if you're growing herbs, I'm going to say, well, go ahead and throw some lettuce seeds in there too, right? So you can start a little salad garden. Um, I know a couple of people who are excited to, for their first salsa garden. So yep. it's like manageable. It's small. It's something that like you have a, a goal in mind for like a season. Right. And then you can see how it goes and then reassess to see what you liked and what you didn't like from it the next year. Yeah. And we're to this point now where we're starting seeds. I see yours are already started, Michelle, for the most part. Um, Yeah. I look at baby. I mean, we've got lettuces that are coming and all kinds of fun stuff. So two, two reasons that we start seeds like inside for Minnesota people right now. It's because we're, well, there's three, because we're going crazy and we need something to do. Right. (laughs) And then because the seeds that we're starting can get set out early so they can take like a frost and a freeze, which are like the lettuces, a lot of the, um, brassicas or cold crops. So kale, um, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, that kind of stuff can get yep. set out early. And especially if you put it under a little low tunnel, which is just some plastic draped over some like PVC vent or whatever, or we start seeds because the plants take a really long time to mature and get any harvest in. So we want to do that before our stinking early frosts come in like September. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stephanie, do you have a house full of seeds too? I do, but um, Michelle has such a better setup when I, well, right now I, I'm behind and it happens. It happens. <laughs> we have been so busy, but her setup is so great. She's got this perfect space. Mine will end up in my living room. <laughs> I have the table out. I just don't have anything on it yet. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah. And like I'm ready to go, <laughs> but I haven't started yet. And 
I I will start this week, but I've got everything ready. It's labeled, but I haven't actually started yet. So good. I'm behind then too, but I feel like better late than never. And you know, I always You're not really behind. It's not really behind. Well, and I always plant things super early and then they sit in the ground for two weeks because they're it's not warm enough. And then, you know, I don't really get any faster, earlier crop, really. Yeah. They yeah. just wait well, for me. We've got we've got a whole like chart in there about when to start seeds and then seed germination temperatures in the ground and like what to start inside and what to start outside for direct sowing. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing how how cool a bunch of seeds can germinate. Um, like the temperatures can be really low in the ground for like corn even. And so, so you, you can kind of stretch the season that way. So you don't have to start everything indoors either. I guess that was my point. Yeah. Do you think, are you guys going to be doing lots of events this spring and summer or? We've got a couple different classes lined up. Um, we just keep on t- We, I don't know. I'm, I'm deciding if I'm going to pull the trigger and do classes in my backyard. <gasps> That's like a whole nother thing. I don't know. Yeah, it is. And you know, I always think I should do cooking classes online, but I never do them. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'll just have dinner parties. And I never do that. And I think about all these things, but you know, know, it's 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 just one more thing. Mm, So far we've got like a couple, we've got a class with Patagonia on winter sewing and then a class out at Heidi's grow house and then classes with the Minnesota state horticultural society. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, and where do you guys want people to get information about the book and about your classes? Oh, me. I, well, <laughs> I, I run a website called forksinthedirt.com and it's a local food hub. So we talk about growing your own, knowing your farmer, which I got shout out to the farmers who actually feed us like the real amounts of food right yeah. here and then cooking like locally and eating locally year round. So forksinthedirt.com. And on that website, we've got a page um, dedicated to the book and like all the information about the book and then where we'll be and all that stuff. So there's that. And then we're on uh, Instagram and Facebook and I'm at forks in the dirt MN on Facebook because my old account got hacked and got, it was so fraud and I never got it back. I was like fighting the man on it and I never got it. And then Instagram a lot. It's, you know, when I say that it's amazing how many people are like that happened to me too. And it's like, when are we going to do something about this? Cause it's still out there. And does someone post to it? No, nobody posts to it, but I can't post to it. And I also can't delete it. So people go there thinking it's me still active. And then they get mad because I never responded. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, that would make me so (laughs) aggravated. Um, Stephanie, how about you? Where do you want people to find you? Um, I am most active on probably Instagram. So I have a website. It's minnesotafromscratch.com. But on Instagram, we're posting daily. We will announce our classes there as well. And on Instagram, I'm Minnesota from scratch. Okay. You guys, it's been a blast. I really hope that we run into each other at something or somewhere. And if not, once we're done with this season, I'll have a a postmortem in the fall at my home. I promise. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thank Thanks you for having us. Thanks, you that guys. Was fun. Good luck with the book. Thank you. Thank you.